You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Such a good reminder on Easter morning, just out of the mouths of children, to be able to see the simplicity of the cross, the power of the resurrection, how it can touch our hearts and change our lives as well. I want to tell you out of Matthew chapter 28, I want to give you three things this morning on what heaven knows, three things that we'll see through the, from the scriptures of what heaven knows. So if you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to look into it. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We've got a free one right there in front of you that you can take home with you if you'd like to, in front of you in the pew rack there, and we'll put it on the screens as well. But check Check it out in Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Now, let's stop right there. How'd you like to be in the Bible? You're the other person, right? That's the other Mary. Well, what'd she do? I don't know. It's just the other Mary. But she, hey, she made it in the Bible, so that's pretty cool. Now, you would find if you went up another chapter, chapter 27, that she is the mom of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's sons. But here we go in verse 2. There was a violent earthquake because the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. The first thing that heaven knows is heaven knows what you're looking for. Heaven knows what we're looking for. If you want to take notes, we put a little listening guide in the program that we gave you, and you can write some notes down there to take notes along. Heaven knows what we're looking for. Isn't that amazing? In that verse of Scripture, in verse 5, the angel says, I know you're looking for Jesus, but he was crucified, and then we'll see he was resurrected. He's not here. Absolutely incredible that God knows exactly what we need. Now, I did a little research on what are the basic needs of human beings, and here's what uh, one website said about that. It said that these six basic needs are what we need as humans. Number one, we need food. We know that. We're going to get hungry and have a great lunch, hopefully, today. We need water. We need shelter. We need to sleep between six and nine hours a night. Some of us may need to work on that. Others is what we need as well. We need connection with other people. Number five, and then number six, I thought was really interesting. I hadn't thought of. They said we need novelty in our life. We need the opportunity to have things different in our life, to learn the potential to fail, which stimulates a dopamine release in the brain. Without regular novelty, motivation wanes and healthy sense of well-being is lost. So we need to not eat at the same restaurant every time. It makes it difficult to do the same things all the time. We need novelty, some different things in our life to keep us fresh in our life. And those are all great things. I agree with all of those things. We have longings for those things. But yet our true longing is we long for the Lord. Our true longing is a longing for the Lord. Do you know that you need something even more than just food and water and shelter and other people and novelty in your life? You need purpose. You need peace. You need a community of believers around you that are encouraging you in your faith. You need joy in your life. We need deeper soulful things as human beings. And so just the exterior is great, but God knows what we really need. So I love that this angel says, I know what you are looking for. 
You are looking for Jesus Christ. You are looking for what you need in him. We are wired for Jesus. So see, life only makes sense if Christ is at the center. You can have any vocation. You can be any socioeconomic level. You can have any education level. You can have any chapter of life, any dynamic of of what's happening in your life, where you live in the world doesn't matter. If Christ is at the center, everything else makes sense around it. If you try to put your vocation in the center, if you try to put your, your, your economics or what you're going to buy in the center, then things begin to frazzle and it doesn't make sense. The angel knows, heaven knows, that what we are longing for is the Lord. What we're looking for is God. He knows, God knows what we are looking for. Now, have you ever had an issue like this, a time like this? You've been on your laptop, your phone, your iPad, and you search for like Hawaiian vacations, And then all of a sudden, the next time you get onto your laptop, you look and all these ads are popping up for Hawaiian vacations. All these, here's the flights you can get. Here's the place you can stay. Here's what you can do. And you kind of get a little freaked out because you're like, how did they know? Well, that one little search put into an algorithm so that they would know all the things that are happening. You know what's even spookier is when you say something, you're like, hey, I need some new tennis shoes. And then all of a sudden you go back to your computer and it's like, new tennis shoes, new tennis shoes, new tennis shoes. You're like, are they listening to me? And we're like, they're listening to us. This is weird. Even those that are online right now, watch me freak out their whole home. You ready? Alexa, order Greg Mott's new book, Capture the Moment. (laughs) I just increased book sales right there. I just nailed it. Everybody's freaking out online. What's going on? How did they know? Because they're listening. They're listening. If you were to be able to find with Facebook, you would find that, that at least, this is just one article on the internet that they did, two and a half pages, 98 different things that Facebook knows about you. All these things, one article a man did uh, that was a journalist and he published this article and he did a little research. He downloaded all the data that Google had on him. You can go and find all the data that Google has on you. The file was 5.5 gigabytes. Now, for those of us that aren't real computer folks and you don't know what a gigabyte is, let me put it like this. It's the size of three million Word documents. Three million Word documents, all the data they had. Every place he's ever been, every place his phone has ever been, every location he's ever been, every website he's ever looked at, every article he's ever read, everything that he's ever ordered on the internet, everything, 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 everything. Now, before you get a little freaked out, I want you to hear this. Google's not God. And the Lord knows every hair on your head. He knows every tear that you've cried. He knows everything that you've ever done, everything that you will do. He knows every word on your tongue before you've spoken one. He knows every day in your life before you live one. God knows not so he could sell you something, but so he could love you deeply, every aspect of you. How amazing that it's not an algorithm in heaven. It's a savior from heaven. It's a statement of, I know what you're looking for. I know exactly what you're looking for. I've been seeing human beings since Adam and Eve. I know all 8 billion of them, every hair on their head. And I know what you're looking for. So what are we really looking for? Heaven is gonna give us what we're really looking for. The angels are gonna declare it. Here's what it is. Heaven knows that life is in the cross and in the resurrection. Heaven knows that life is in the cross and in the resurrection. Let me show this to you in verses 5 and 6. Chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 5 and 6. The angel of the Lord told the women, don't be afraid, 
because I know you are looking for Jesus. That's what we just talked about. I know you are looking for Jesus. That's what every human being is looking for is Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. Why? For he is risen, just as he said, proof. Come and see the place where he laid for yourself. So here we have that life, what we're really looking for is found in the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amazing thought. Now, what's the big deal with the cross? Why didn't God just say, hey, sin forgiven, done, let's go to lunch? Because there had to be a payment. And I'll show you in just a moment, a blood sacrifice had to be what happened. It wasn't just a winking at sin. It wasn't just a dismissing of sin. Sin brings death, so death had to bring life. There had to be a sacrifice that was given on behalf to pay for this sin. Our sin is against an eternal and holy God, so we needed an eternal and holy sacrifice to pay for our sins, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's so cool about the cross. Number one, it was prophesied. That means predicted. If you were to look in Isaiah 53... And into Psalm 22, I encourage you to do that later today, you will see the cross discussed hundreds of years before the crucifixion, the cross was ever invented by the Romans. Now think about that, hundreds of years. That's like predicting the winner of the Super Bowl before football has been invented. And so the cross was prophesied, predicted. Not only that, we see throughout the scriptures a blood sacrifice that shows this is the way to lead up to Jesus. Now, if you don't know your Bible, totally cool. We're so glad you're in church. Keep coming because we'll teach you the Bible and it'll change your life. But you know these people, even if you don't know the Bible. Adam and Eve, I bet you've heard of them. Genesis chapter 3, they sin, but in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, they're covered with fig leaves trying to get out of their sin on their own. And God comes and he walks in the garden and he slays an animal so they could be covered with skin, with garments. The first blood sacrifice happens in the third chapter of the Bible. We have Noah when he leaves the ark. You know the story of Noah. Two by two, animals come. Genesis chapter eight, he comes out of the ark and here he is just eight chapters into the scripture and he offers a sacrifice of an animal to be right with God. Abraham and Isaac. Isaac is lifted up. Abraham knows that he can be resurrected from the grave and he says, Lord, what's going on here? And he finds a ram that's caught. The ram's horns are caught in the thicket in a bush in thorns, the ram's horns are caught. Why do you think Jesus is wearing a crown of thorns? But to identify all the way back to the ram that would be placed in replacement of Isaac, a ram would lay down and instead of Isaac dying, the ram dies. Instead of you dying and me dying, the cross happens. It's called the substitutionary atonement, big theological word, that Jesus was a substitute. We see it with Moses and the Passover lamb as our Jewish friends are, are celebrating Passover. Blood of a lamb was put over the doorpost of the house so that the death angel would pass over and they would live and the blood of the lamb today is Jesus Christ over the doorpost of our hearts so that we could live and have a heaven, heavenly eternity when we die. Then from Moses, it goes to the priest and the Levitical law and the Mosaic law. And you have millions of lambs that are slain to give sacrifice to make a covering of sin until finally John chapter one in the New Testament, verse 21, John the Baptist says, behold, listen, 
The Lamb of God, not a Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away, not covers over, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus is walking up to him as he says that. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, predicted, prophesied, and practiced all throughout the Old Testament. Steps onto a cross, not as an accident, but willingly give his life. John chapter 10 says, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. Why? For us us. And he gives his life in the cross. And then the resurrection comes. Why of the resurrection? Because the resurrection brings death to sin and we raise up to new life. Not that we never sin again, but that sin has no power over us, that we're forgiven in Christ, that we can be assured that we, when we die, we will resurrect as well. Hear this, the infinite son of God paid the price to a finite group of humans, men and women, open to all, could trust him and they could receive Jesus and they could be resurrected as well when they die. Now in our church, we do a lot of funerals. I don't want that to scare you from joining or coming, okay? It's not that people are dying, you know, in our church, just we all die, okay? That's the way it goes. But let me tell you what, we call it a celebration of life because there is so much hope as well. Death is just a portal into eternity. You are an eternal being having an earthly existence. So we've got to think about the things of eternity. What will happen? When? Because you will. When? Because I will. When I die, when you die, what will happen? Will we step through because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our faith being placed in him, will step into heaven? Or we say, no, I think I can pull this off on my own. It won't happen. And so we see the cross and the resurrection. I love this. Listen, as a skeptical society, the angel gives proof. He says, it is just, in verse six, he is not here for he is risen, Easter, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Just as he said, Jesus predicted his resurrection. Well, where did he do that? I put it in your listening guide so you can look it up later. Matthew chapter 28 is where it says, just as he said, Matthew 12, verse 40, Matthew 16, verse 21, Matthew 17, verse 23, Matthew 20, verse 19, just as he said, he rises from the grave. And then the angel says, if that wasn't good enough, hey, come take a look at the empty tomb. Come look at this stone that's been rolled away that's way too big for any man to roll away. An angel from heaven had to do it. Come and see where he lay. I want you to individually come and see and make a decision of faith of what happened here and that he is gone. And then third, ladies, I want you to see this. Who are the first witnesses to the tomb? It's women. It's women. Now, if you were going to just write a story and be like, hey, I know, I want to write a bestseller. I'm going to call it the Bible. Okay, let me start and let me write this. And then we'll have this really nice guy and he'll come along and then he'll die on a cross um, and, then, and then he'll raise again. We'll write this down. And then I know what I'll do. I'll have women show up to the first time to be there. People would say, well, there's no way you're going to get away with that. The way you would get away with this if this was not true, you'd say the religious men of the day have said this has happened. That would be the credibility. The businessmen of the day, this would be the credibility. Ladies, God, because he values women greatly, values men as well, says, I want the women to be the first one to the tombs. It's actually a proof of the authenticity of the scripture. The greatest thing that's ever happened for women's rights is Jesus Christ. That's what's happened. And he values men and he values women. And he values old and he values young. 
And he says here, I want the women to be the first to declare this message going out. And if that wasn't enough, we get a bonus. We get a bonus proof. We've got an angelic announcement of it. When an angel shows up, big time things are happening. Angel announcements at creation, angel announcement at the giving of the Mosaic law, angel announcement at Christmas, angel announcement with the early church, angel announcement with the second coming, and angel announcement with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a history changer. It's a chapter mover. It's a something different. It's a, whoa, what's going on? This is not like a normal Sunday. What's happening here? And he says, he's been crucified to pay for your sins and he's resurrected from the grave. And we've got fallen guards and standing women and we've got an empty tomb and the angel is sitting there on that rock saying, come see for yourself. This is the real deal and it's for you personally to trust him. Heaven knows what you're looking for. Heaven knows it's found in the cross and the resurrection. And heaven knows finally how to motivate and comfort us. How to motivate and comfort us. This little section here that I want to read in verse 7 through 9. This, when I was studying, was the most meaningful part for me of this whole message. And I hope you'll listen. Then go quickly, verse 7, and tell his disciples... He has risen from the dead, and indeed, this is, this is what really got my heart, He is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see Him there. Listen, I've told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the, disciple the new, disciples the news. Then just then, Jesus met them and said, greetings, and they came and took hold of His feet and worshiped Him I love that Jesus is going ahead of them. Does that give you motivation and comfort? Jesus is ahead of you. What's coming up next week for you? I don't know either. What's gonna happen in the world? I don't know either. What's gonna happen in your life and your family? I'm not sure either. But I know that Jesus is ahead of me. It says in Psalm 139, he has hemmed us in from behind and before. It says that he knows every day before we ever live one. It says that he is the alpha and the omega. Jesus has gone ahead of you into that difficult conversation, into that thing you're dreading, into that trial you don't even know is coming. Jesus is ahead of you, waiting on you to get there to greet you and to say, I've been here the whole time and I'm going to take care of you through it. That motivates me and that gives me great comfort. Jesus is not only behind you, he is ahead of you because he wants to prove that he's got the strength and the power to live within you and that you can trust him in the present because he's already got the past and the future taken care of. So if he's ahead of us, what do we need to do? but follow him. And how many of us are asking Jesus to follow us instead of saying, I will follow you? You ever been in a situation where you feel like somebody went ahead of you? You're like, man, how did they anticipate my need? How do they really know? You know, a good salesman and a, a good waiter or waitress, they'll anticipate your need. That there's an anticipation, they go ahead of you. They're ready for what is there. They're ready for that dessert menu at the end of the meal. All of those things are happening. I remember my wife and I, we spent a summer in Asia. We were on a missionary journey in Asia. We had a great time. Awesome people, wonderful people, kind people, great food. I mean, we just, an experience of a lifetime to spend that six weeks in Asia. 
But we started getting like you would get when you're in a foreign country for a while and you're there and you're like, man, I just need, I feel like the Lord's leading. I just need, I'm hankering and hungry for Whataburger. You know, I just need something from home is what's happening. So we're like, we asked somebody, we say, is there any American restaurant? We love your food. Don't want to offend you. Don't want to offend you. But is there any American restaurant? And they say, yeah, some guy just opened one up. We don't know who he is, but he just opened one up downtown. You may like it. You may know him. I said, what's the name of it? And they said, Kenny Roger Chicken Roasters. I said, well, I don't know Kenny, but I know chicken. I'm ready to go. So we got in the taxi and we headed downtown. We got to this place right there in the heart of Asia. I opened up the doors and smelled macaroni and trees for the first time in weeks. And it was like, ah, an angel had rolled away the stone and was pointing me to the menu. Look and see what the Lord has done. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And we had chicken and we had cornbread and we had beans and we had corn on the cob and we had just gravy running down our face. We had napkins. We had forks. It was incredible. And we sat there and we were like, this is awesome. Right in the middle, I just chomped down on that corn on the cob. And I mean, at that moment, like almost on cue, islands in the stream. That is what we are. Starts playing. Kids, ask your parents. And I look on the walls and there's Dolly and Kenny and then there's Waylon Jennings. And I'm like, I'm home in Texas. This is great. This is good. It was as if somebody had said, we need a place for hungry Americans in the middle of the summer. And we loved it so much, we went back the next night, the next night, the next night, the next night, the next night. Gone before us. And let me tell you what, Jesus is better than chicken. He's got more planned for you than a menu. He's got things in your life. He's got journeys for you to be able to walk on, to walk with, to allow God to do some great things. He has gone before you. And when you and I receive the power of the cross and the resurrection, now we become followers of Christ and we walk in the places in which he's led. Let me close with more of a serious illustration of going before you. We've all been following and praying and giving and and our church has been very active in helping folks and missionaries, part of the world mission offering with all that's happened with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You've been following on the news. I've been following on the news. We prayed for it. It's terrible. It's evil. It's, it's something we just like, ah. I talked to one of the heads of one of our mission agencies. I said, how's it going with the missionaries in Ukraine? He said, Greg, it's been heartbreaking but God's been going before him. What we've had to do is we've had to call out and pull out all the missionaries from Ukraine and to move them to the surrounding countries that are there for their safety. So imagine you've given your life, you've prayed, you've sought, you've fasted, your church, as our church does and many other churches, has sent you out, you've learned the language, your kids have moved into some house or apartment somewhere in Ukraine, you've been waiting, you're ready to go, and now here is your moment, you've been there for a good while or just a short time, and Russia starts invading, and you've got to leave your sheep and go to another country on the borders. 
So these missionaries, heartbroken, they're like, we want to stay. We don't want to leave them at their deepest time of need. We want to stay. And the missionary agency says, we got to send you out. We got to get you out for safety reasons. We got to move you to the borders. So they move them to the borders of the surrounding countries. The missionaries get there. The churches at the surrounding companies, countries welcome them and they begin to develop a relationship. And so they're talking. So now the missionaries are embedded in these churches around the border. And then sure enough, what happens? You watched it happen. Refugees from the Ukraine begin to head to the surrounding borders. And who is standing there but the missionaries that had been sent out weeks before because God knew and prepared and sent them out going forward so these refugees would be received by people speaking their tongues, talking native tongue, talking about Jesus as the Savior and the gospel and the churches would be ready. Do you see God even in the midst of evil and tragedy and chaos going before? And that is what's happening in the resurrection. More than Google, God knows what you need and you'll never find it at the mall or on the web or in a ward or any place. Heaven knows what you need. And what you need and what I need is the cross and the resurrection to meet our needs of purpose and peace and joy and people of encouraging us in our faith. And when that happens, you will be motivated and comforted because you'll realize he has gone before you on the path so that you and I could give our lives, watch, to be followers of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that on Easter Sunday to hear? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm giving you an opportunity to pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, I hope you are so fired up about the biggest thank you for the cross and the resurrection that you could ever pray to him in this moment. And you would just recommit and saying, I want to follow you, God, because only you know what I really want. Tell you the truth, I don't even know what I really want. But if I choose Christ, the abundance of joy, the blessings happen as God leads something else been the centerpiece of your life and it's time for Jesus to be the centerpiece? Make that true today. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We love you. More than Google, we want God. More than Facebook, we need faith. And we come in the power of Jesus' name and we ask that you would move in our hearts because this is a come and see moment. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask that you would just repeat this prayer with me of salvation with the whisper of your lips and the sincerity of your heart. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I know that I've sinned and done things wrong. I ask for your blood on the cross to wash me clean. Forgive my sins. Save my soul. I trust your resurrection is my entrance to heaven. And I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. If you prayed that, Jesus saved your soul and we'd love to help you grow in that new relationship. Talk to us and we'll help you in any way we can. If you know Christ as Savior, would you just pray and say, thank you for the cross, God. Thank you for the resurrection. I don't even know what I want in life. But you do. 
Tell him you'll follow him all the days of your life. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.